Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Racing Live on TalkSport 2. It's Emish Kennedy alongside Lee McKenzie. We are with you till 6.30 p.m. today and indeed all week long as we bring you every single race from Royal Ascot 2023 right here on Racing Live on TalkSport 2. And I am delighted to say that the big-name guests keep coming on Racing Live as we're joined by top American trainer Wesley Ward. Wesley, welcome to Racing Live on TalkSport 2. Oh, thank you for having me on, him. It's great to speak with you, Wesley. And just before I get your thoughts on your runners at Royal Ascot this year, I'd like to go back to 2009, where this all began, because that's when you became the first American to train a winner at Royal Ascot. But how did that journey begin? Oh, early on... um... I kind of uh, found a little niche in, in racing uh, out at, in California at Santa Anita. At that time, in the early early 90s, it was extremely hard, for, especially for a young, early 20-year-old trainer to break in. And the niche I found was uh, two-year-olds early. You know, a lot of the best trainers, and their better horses, two-year-olds out later on in the summer. So I thought, you know, if you could buy some, which I could only afford, some inexpensive yearlings, kind of get them going early and uh, catch them the fields that uh, if I was better prepared than, than my opponents, that we could, uh, we could run and win. And I sort of kind of carved a little niche in racing out there to where I kind of got going and then I was able to sell them and then continued on the next year to where we could keep buying better and better yearlings and continued with, you know, the, along the same path and started making myself and my clients money by winning early and selling. And um, so then I eventually moved back to the east coast because my family was young my oldest son was uh only in the third grade there and re- relocated because i seen a shift in racing where you know they were there were were in the 70s and 80s and 90s california was was the dominant place in racing and it, they started to m- migrate east all the better horses so i thought now was the time I mean, the only time i could move when my oldest son was so young and uh, we moved back there and again the same, I kind of went in with the having the two-year-olds ready and kind of making a name for myself on the on the East Coast, and uh, that would be up in Kentucky at Keeneland. Is Keeneland races in April, spring. That's the spring meet that kind of sets everything off. And started winning, and I thought, you know, what do I do with these horses? As I was starting to get a little bit higher quality horses, I said, let me sort of think about Royal Ascot a little bit. Didn't know anything about it, but knew that the age of the two-year-olds in June, it was early, and thought, well, let me take a chance um, and bring some of my precocious two-year-olds that have already won over to England to see if maybe this would be the case over here. And it was a big chance. 
uh, the first horse we ran, we ran an older horse we brought with us named Cannonball, and he ran poorly. Um, Johnny Velasquez, who's ridden <clears throat> many, many years for me there, told me, he said, hey, Wesley, he says, the horse ran a good race. He says, don't be disappointed. I said, but he was kind of waiting for a turn, so he didn't go get going until he said the last 20 yards he kind of kicked in and uh, because it was a straightaway and our horses we don't run straightaways in america we always have a we always turn left there and uh, so i thought oh man this is going to be a long week especially now with my two-year-olds and lo and behold the next horse we ran strike the tiger ran won. the following day we won the queen mary with the uh, philly named jealous again and <clears throat> that particular horse cannonball came back uh and what we don't do in America, he came right back and he he was second in the Jubilee. So um, and then from there, it was, you know, uh, I realized that I could do something that taking a chance at. And we sort of started building from that and the experience I've learned and uh, trying to get better horses over here, better quality horses and finding better ways to bring them over to where, you know, uh, the, the travel would be wouldn't be so, you know, inhibiting us and kind of more seamless travel and you know just keep working on trying to make things better and and it's just been a great roller coaster ride for us i just wanted to get a picture of the logistics involved in what you do because we're well used to trainers like aiden o'brien and charlie appleby bringing two-year-olds to america and succeeding at the breeders cup but that's at the end of the season they've got a lot of experience they're battle hardened you're bringing american horses to royal ascot very early and often they've only had one run so they're inexperienced Talk to me about the logistics involved in that and how difficult that is. Well, we start early. Um, we start the breaking process in September uh, at the farm, in the fields, actually, and, you know, breaking them to the saddle and teaching them uh, their lessons, their early lessons. And then um, in October, they'll go to a training facility. They'll, they'll go from Kentucky down to Florida, where we're um, taking advantage of the weather. And um, so they'll, they'll move to several different locations in, in South Florida to where that, you know, that they, they, they're not on the same track, seeing the same thing. We change things up a lot to where that, you know, they'll sort of get used to being at different places. And it's kind of like a, uh, if you think a, a young child that's in the same school in a small town as opposed to, say, a, uh, a same age and the kid goes to several different several different places or all over the world, you know, which one is going to be more worldly. And, you know, you just learn by, by going to different places. That's what I found. And that's, that's what I try to do with these horses is kind of get them to where that once we get into the gate, because our rate two year old races start in, in April in Kentucky, they've been to so many different places. You know, the, the horses that I'm running against essentially will go from a farm where they're broken to the track, to the track where they're running and run. So mine have a, a little bit more of an experience, you know, being so experienced from different places, it's a little advantage. Many of your two-year-olds give us a real head scratch, Wesley, because they begin their careers on the dirt. And so we're trying to figure out, well, what does this form mean coming to Royal Ascot? And are they going to handle the surface? What do you do at home to make sure that your horses will be able to transition from dirt to grass? Yeah, well, early on, we take them to Florida and we take them on the grass and we do, um, you know, very short breezes on the grass. And you could sort of, tells just like a fish to water which surface they prefer um and then once they run you know unfortunately we only have two total races uh in april for on the turf one for colts one for phillies and this year the philly race was rained off so where it was only one race in april uh and all the month of april on the grass so sometimes we'll we'll have to run grass horses on the dirt 
and and hopefully they can run and win you know and then able to bring them over to europe because we'll have several workouts after that once they've won uh keeneland opens up their grass course to where we can see where we're at and the style of, of running because you've obviously had tremendous success with various different jockeys ryan moore was brilliant on acapulco and the way that your horses are conditioned and the way they're able to settle they can either bounce out of the gate they always break fast but they can either go hard from the front and just be too much for everything but you've had plenty of horses like acapulco who are up with the pace but don't make it and yet have too much class for everything towards the end do you leave that to the jockey or do you tell them how to ride I pretty much leave it up to the rider, you know. Um, if it's an American rider, you know, that particular filly was Ryan Moore. So there's no one better here than Ryan Moore, um, you know, and when you put him up on the back of the horse. So he knows he knows what to do. Uh, the American rider, sometimes I'll give him a little insight. You know, you go fast early, you're going to go slow late. So, you know, take it easy the first part. But for the most part, you know, the my job is done. Uh, and when you put the rider up, you know, obviously you're putting someone on that you have confidence in that's going to do the right thing. And you mentioned Strike the Tiger. I was taking, I remember that horse vividly winning because I remember the British media taking this attitude. What's this American guy coming over here? Our turf horses go over there and, and beat theirs. How is one of theirs going to come here and beat the best of ours? And obviously the rest is history. But you owned Strike the Tiger. Now, after your successes at Royal Ascot and at the Breeders' Cup, you've got the best owners in the world, Tree Chimneys Farm, Stone Street Stables, Coolmore. What does that mean to you? You know, that, that's essentially what you just said. Royal Ascot has done for me. Um, you know, everyone that, uh, that loves Royal Ascot wants to be competitive. You know, I, I, we've, we've gotten lucky through the hard work, and not that everyone in racing doesn't work hard because they do, uh, but I've been very lucky. You know, in the first year, as you said, we had success, but we had success. A great part of the reason was because we were so lucky with the weather. At that, on that particular meeting uh, in 2009, it was scorching hot heat. And we went out there and the, the, the grass was fast and firm. And my horses were fast and they just weren't stopping. You know, as we seen ground yesterday, uh, what was that, that was a little trying and not even close to what it's been in, over the years as well. That where, you know, if it rains and it sticks in there, you just my fast horses just can't get a hold of it. Like some of the horses that would, would like and love a soft ground. My horses are pretty much firm, firm ground horses with the exception of Lady Aurelia. Lady Aurelia relished the off, off going. And, you know, had I not breezed her one time at Arlington park where they opened the grass for me when it was just a deluge of rain for a day before, and they were trying to be very accommodating. And, and I could visually see how much she liked it. I broke her off, you know, knowing that she was, so talented, I broke her off 10 lengths behind two other fillies that were coming over to run in the Windsor Castle. And um, and she just stayed 10 lengths behind them. And when they turned for home, she just ran over top of them and ran, opened up 10 or 15 lengths on them. So I knew that the ground wasn't going to be an issue for that particular filly. And it was for my others. And that year it, it was, you know, it was very taxing ground and she just off she went. That was a, a magical performance. You have American Rascal running in the Norfolk Stakes. The significance of this is not lost on me because in 2013, you won the race with no name ever. I think he might have been your first for Coolmore and he's gone on to become an incredibly influential and hugely important stallion for them. His record speaks for itself on the race course. This horse, American Rascal, is going for this race 10 years later, but is bred to be racing royalty by Carlin, a wonderful stallion and a terrific racehorse, but more importantly, out of Lady Aurelia your superstar filly 
a dual winner at Royal Ascot. That performance in the Queen Mary was jaw-dropping. And then she backed that up with a King Stand victory a year later, which was just mind-blowing as well. Is this horse as special as she is? You know, he, you know, he came, uh, obviously, he's red in the purple and was sent down to Ian Brennan at the owner of Barbara Banky's training center, Stone Street Training Center in Ocala, uh, with rave reviews of his workouts. Came to me uh, early in his two-year-old year, uh, probably sometime around February, and, um, you know, started breezing him. And just like all two-year-olds, you know, and as we spoke earlier about coming from a farm, um, he was a little green. So we had Joel Rosario come up to Payson um, early on in, in March and have a few breezes on him uh, from the gate and to get to go know him a little bit. And I asked Barbara if we could uh, ride him on the horse because he was willing to put the, the work in, especially such a high-profile jockey, to fly in to, you know, he'd be in New York and he'd fly down to Florida to breeze him. And it's a two-hour drive north from the racetrack where he was riding at Gulfstream Park to ride this colt, to work this colt in the morning. So he really put significant effort in uh, to secure this horse. And um, then he breezed him on the grass in Palm Meadows, and we seen that he did definitely have affinity for the grass. Um, and when he rode him, he rode him with extreme confidence. You know, he broke, he took back as another horse went. Uh, he sat you know, bided his time, eased him out when he called upon him there, just as they straightened away for the home stretch, away he went. And, uh, you know, certainly stamped himself as my best Royal Ascot chance for for a win. I know you've said he's not as physically imposing as Nona and Ever, but very few horses are. I've got the privilege of seeing him when he was in Ireland at Coolmore Stud, and he required four stall, he required four handlers uh, to manage him. I'm not sure if he's He's quite as tough these days, but a big bull of a horse. How does he compare physically, though, to his mother, Lady Aurelia? Oh, she was a, you know, she was a smallish filly, but she she was very powerful. Um, this guy is, you know, as a colt, and even more physically, if you look at her, at him, he's looks like a quarter horse, you know, and um, looks like a, a very type typey fast colt. Uh, has a very good mind on him. Um, he's a good feeling guy, um, but certainly not nervous at all. Uh, uh, but when the rider gets up, he's all business. And uh, we, he had a beautiful last gallop this morning at Ascot. Did everything you'd like to see with a horse going into a race, uh, especially with, you know, such anticipation as tomorrow. And um, we're just looking forward to it. Twelve winners at Royal Ascot so far. I think Lady Aurelia is always going to be the apple of your eye. She was so special. What does it mean to you to be training her son? It just means a lot, you know, especially with the confidence that the owner had to, to you know, as she has the greatest trainers in America. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to have trained the mother to where, you know, they, they would have given me him to train. So I'm very lucky um, to have a horse of this high quality in my barn. I'm very thankful to Barbara Banky and her team and her family. Um, and hopefully we can come through for her. If I was to ask you out of 10, because you, you tend to be a confident man, but you don't ever... You never big a horse up just for the sake of it. So on a scale of, of 1 to 10, how confident are you of a huge run from American Rascal? I think you're going to see a big run tomorrow. I really do. That's all I need to know. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Wesley Ward, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you. 
Uh, thank you so, so much for your time. You've had tremendous success at Royal Ascot, and I know that there's going to be plenty more success to come, and please, God, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, you take care. Thank you, Yemi. Wesley Ward, who certainly fills you with confidence for his potential superstar, American Rascal. You will hear both races right here on Racing Live on TalkSport 2.